This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another Total Saints podcast. Thanks as always for joining us. First, the bad news, not on the pitch, but off the pitch. Adam Leach is unfortunately not with us this week. He's away for the international break. But there's two lots of good news. The good news is, fresh from his birthday, Steve Grant is with us. Steve, how's the head? Oh, struggling. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, that was a tough watch this afternoon for uh, for many reasons. One of which was the uh, obscene amounts of vodka and um, Jägermeister consumed yeah. last night. So Pop World was drunk out, was it? Oh, yes. <laughs> good, good. Well, thanks for uh, holding the fort in Adam's absence. And uh, even more good news, I'm delighted to say that uh, Lucy is with us as well. Uh, many of you will remember Lucy from uh, being on the podcast last season, always a, a voice of reason. Lucy, great to have you with us again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's good, good. It's been a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, we were just talking there before we started. Uh, we were trying to think of some positives and uh, fantasy football. I know it's something you take uh, pretty seriously these days which is good and you're sitting nicely you're 10th in our league I'm sure you're doing much better in other leagues but uh, yeah it's been a good start to the FPL season for you yeah it's been all right it's been all right although I do feel traitorous because I kept uh, in expectation of what would happen today so um I'm kind of benefiting from Saints' demise, but there we go. That's always the positive. I, I used to do that. I'm not much of a gambler these days, but I always used to bet against Saints because you thought then at least if they win, you're, you're pleased, and if they don't, you generally win you some money as well, so that's good. So, uh, Stephen, you, you were saying the FPL, you, obviously there's a few points to add on, but uh, gone downhill a little bit the last couple of weeks since we did our update. Yeah, it's been a pretty poor um, month since the last um, international break, to be honest, so uh, I'll be glad to get out to Sevilla next week 
get that ring rustiness out of me and then uh, and then come back raring to go after we get schooled in Spain I've no doubt <laughs> no, there we go so it's um, you know going to be a, a fairly shortish pod I, I wasn't planning to talk about Everton but bearing in mind we won the game we're going to have a quick chat about that and then we'll focus on Chelsea but as always we'll try and be level headed and try and come up with some positives and uh, go from there so let's crack on with it this is Total Saints podcast episode 47 and we're sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk HappyHotTubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit HappyHotTubs.co.uk HappyHotTubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. Saints won on penalties up at Everton earlier in the week in the Carabao Cup. Steve, we weren't necessarily overly complimentary about it last week and I wasn't going to dwell on it for ages, but bearing in mind we did win a game, which is a rare thing in this day and age, I guess a positive for the next few weeks in terms of it gives them a bit of a cut run to look at alongside the league. Yeah, all of a sudden now you think actually having having got through against Everton, who generally are pretty strong at home. I mean, especially against us. Obviously, we've um, we've uh, we've gone into our record up there before. Yeah. All of a sudden, playing Leicester's probably second string doesn't seem quite so daunting anymore. They'll still be favourites certainly, but if we name a similarly strong lineup as we did on Tuesday up at the King Power, then yeah, who knows? And Lucy, we were talking in the pod last week um, about the fact that we expected. Hughes to, to sort of go with the same side that had uh, played down at Brighton. So I guess as fans, we were quite surprised by the lineup. Yeah, there was certainly more rotation than we expected. And, you know, I wasn't feeling that positive when I saw it. But it's a funny thing going on, I think, with us in cup games. Like over the last few seasons, we seem to have this thing now where, for whatever reason, we don't play as badly in the cup, or there's kind of more belief in the cup, or there's less pressure. I don't know what it is, but we seem to play a bit better. That said, we did nearly implode again, and Richarlison's penalty is one of the worst I've ever seen. It's up there with Riyad Mahrez's from today, really, isn't it? But I think it's possibly worse. Yeah, I think it's probably still travelling, actually, that one, isn't it? Yeah, when you set up with that... that it's just a stupid uh, run-ups, run-up. isn't it? Yeah. Well, it was um, Simone uh, Zaza, wasn't yeah. it, for Italy? Classic. And it was, yeah, it was exactly the same as that. Stupid little run-up, and then just leant back on it. I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me if he'd slipped over and, and fallen on his backside because that was how far he was leaning back. I mean, it's quite impressive to miss the goal by that far when you are literally in front of goal with it to, with it all to aim for. I've never understood that with professional footballers. I mean, ultimately, these are guys that are paid a lot of money. They stick a ball in, in the net most days of the week in training. They can't even hit the target from 12 yards out. I, there's not exactly the pressure when you're in the third round of the Carabao Cup in front of about half a stadium for, is it? No, but then penalty shootouts are, are a strange beast, aren't they? I mean, they they do bring out the sort of weirdness effect, I guess, because it's it's just a different pressure to taking a penalty in a in open play, if you like. You're always more likely to get a, a weird miss in a shootout than you are in in a league game, say. I mean, obviously, Mares is one today is a very notable exception, um, but that is very much the exception that proves the rule really yeah and then obviously Lucy JPT was the last time we won a penalty shootout against Norwich in the uh, I think it was the quarterfinal because we beat MK Dons in the semi-final and well actually probably it was the semi-final because then Milkings Dons was the, the final, area final, area final wasn't it? wasn't it yeah all very complicated but point being it's nice to have a, a penalty win after so long that we can uh, look back on there yeah and I thought it capped off a really good performance for Angus Gunn yep. who um, 
I think we'll feel kind of a bit frustrated that he's playing very well and yet probably doesn't have much chance of starting in the Premier League. But I thought that save from Walcott was, was really good and he, he had a strong game. And as you say, we won a penalty shootout, which isn't a common occurrence. And I did note when we went into this penalty shootout, there wasn't a lot of positivity on Twitter about the idea of winning it. So, so that's good. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. I mean, he, um, he, Angus Gunn, I was very close to tweeting that he still hadn't conceded one goal in a Saint shirt because he'd obviously played two pre-season halves and then played against Brighton and Everton and frustratingly let the goal in. But even sort of after that, when Yoshida decided to dilly-dally for a couple of minutes on the <laughs> ball and create that chance, I mean, he rushed off his line and sort of cleared it. So, you know, that big save he made, I think he's looked pretty good so far and he's definitely looked to, to have potential of becoming number one at Saints at some point. Yeah, definitely. I think people didn't have a lot of faith in Fraser Forster's ability to come in if needed. Um, and so it looks a lot more secure that if McCarthy does pick up something, we've actually got a decent number two who can do something. Moving on to Chelsea, then obviously Saint disappointingly losing 3-0 to Chelsea today. Um, overall, Lucy, before we sort of go into some of the ins and outs, what was your general view on things? I know fans have been quick to react as they always do on social media one way or another, but level-headed, high-net view, what was it? Well, I think, as we were saying before we came on, uh, it's just a weird game in the sense that they were a lot better than us, but we had opportunities and I couldn't quite believe the opportunities we missed, particularly Danny Ings in the form he was in, had a couple of really good chances. And normally I expect him to miss good chances, but with the way he was playing, I thought we could have come up with a goal. But in general, I can't really quibble with the result because... Our defending continues to be very worrying and Chelsea look like a much more assured team than we perhaps expected with the change of manager and Sarri coming in and a lot of people saying that they'd take time to transition into something uh, more fluid and they seem to be fine and Eden Hazard continues to be really good. So um, I can't really quibble with the result, but perhaps it could have been different on a different day. Mm. Steve, I mean, you were full of alcohol, so did it look any better through those eyes or not really? Um, no, I mean, that, that first half was the longest first half I could remember for a very long time. It was weird in that it seemed to take us 20 to 25 minutes to even get out of our half. It was, it was quite similar to, to against Burnley, albeit for slightly different reasons, in that Chelsea were just pinging the ball around us and we just couldn't lay a foot on them. Mm. Um, but it was frustrating because on the occasions where we did get forward, we did actually look quite dangerous. And it was slightly strange to see Chelsea seemingly being so lax at the back when so far this season they've looked a very strong side. It did make a pleasant change for Giro to largely be fairly rubbish. But other than that, I mean, I mean, Hazard is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and when they've got a player who's on that sort of form and you don't get close enough to him, as we did for significant periods of that game, then you're always in trouble, particularly if you then don't take the chances that you create for yourself. And, and Mark Hughes, Lucy, after the game, said we, we showed them too much respect. I mean, first 20 minutes, we're playing three centre-backs. I think um, on television, you could see Mark Bowen saying that we were going to four at the back and they moved Cedric right midfield. Straight away, Redmond puts some pressure on the ball, ends up back at the keeper, the crowd get up. You know, one, two minutes after that, we create a chance for Danny Ings, the crowd get up, and then it all sort of fizzles back out again when they score. And, it, you know, that's the frustration for me. 
me is watching it is that you know Saints are only gonna if they let if they let teams play like they did Chelsea for that first 20 minutes I mean it was I think at one stage it was 91% possession over the, the mm. previous five minutes or something like that I mean it was pretty embarrassing stuff but it just I think as fans that's what irritates us the most is we know Saints are a better team when they get in the faces of people and hurry them and try and get them to make mistakes rather than this namby-pamby sitting off it's what seems so weird is that I think a lot of fans hoped that Mark Hughes particularly after we'd kind of given them a bit of fight at the end of last season I think a lot of people hoped that Mark Hughes would be this manager that kind of gave us a bit more grit gave us a bit more determination tried to make us a bit more aggressive mm. and as you said that everything was very very passive in the first 20 minutes we seemed to just sit off and drop back and hope that they couldn't break us down rather than as you say kind of getting in their faces and um you refer to that change in formation mm. i still don't really understand what the constant changing of formation is about it seems to be the only way hughes knows how to affect the game so we started off with that three four three then we went to the four four two and then went to four three three and then by the end of the game we're back at four four two yeah I'm not sure with a, a team that is clearly struggling in terms of confidence um, and in terms of organisation, and we talk about leadership and lots of stuff, if you keep switching round, how a team can develop some kind of fluidity. Yeah. Um, but you're right about the whole game being cyclical, and Saints are incredibly cyclical. They will have a bad period followed by a good period and if they don't do something in that good period they will invariably get punished and then go back into a horribly bad period again um and it's so frustrating because you know in those good periods if you could actually do something with it you might get somewhere but the the confidence seems really fragile and once again Wesley Hoop continues to frustrate me more <laughs> enormously and it seems kind of inevitable when we have a good period and don't do something that it will go badly. Yeah, I mean, it was typical Saints today, Steve, wasn't it? We, we you know, had that five minutes, sort of 20 to 25 minutes where we were in their faces and created the chance that Ings missed, which, you know, again, you need to take those against teams like Chelsea. We then conceded a goal. Second half, I thought they started the second half really, really well, Saints. You know, 10 minutes there, again, a great chance for Bertrand, blazes it over the bar. Two minutes later, they score. It's, it's just typical Saints at the moment, isn't it? It is, um, and also the the way we're conceding the goals as well is is typical Saints because teams aren't having to work especially hard to score against us at the moment. Yeah, the goals, like all three of those goals today, were entirely avoidable. Yeah, individuals have basically been caught out of position, and that's that's a, a concentration thing. That's a professionalism almost. Mm. Mm. And I mean, you can you can make slight allowances on the second goal where where Hoiberg's been been uh, pulled back by um, David Louise, uh, yeah. Dav- David Louise and, the, and the referee and linesman haven't spotted it but ultimately there's there's so much going on they're not going to be able to see everything and mm. that's I mean well that's that's why attackers try and do that sort of thing because you know that if you get away with it then the rewards are so high Yeah. but I mean surely somebody should have been just following Olivier Giroud ghosting into mm. that space in behind it I mean he was he was in so much room yeah um, that it just looked like somebody wasn't watching yeah, it's just these these sloppy little moments, and keep repeating it every week. You switch off for a second in this league, and teams will punish you. Yeah, and I think the thing for me, Steve, as well, and we've spoken about it a lot, and I'm, I'm sure Lucy will agree, is you know we have a whole week to set up to play Chelsea. We know 
pretty much how they're going to set themselves up. You know, you know that Hazard's going to float across and things like that. You, you know, so you basically spend a week preparing, I assuming, in, on the training ground at Staplewood to play three at the back, and then after 20 minutes we just boot it out because we've suddenly realised that we can't contain them. I mean, it's not exactly rocket science. It wasn't like Chelsea were doing anything to me uh, that would have been unexpected, and yet we've suddenly decided that our game plan that we've worked on all week is out the window in 20 minutes. It's, it all feels a bit trial and error to me. Yeah, and obviously that's the second time we've gone into a Premier League game this season, starting with three at the back. And by the end of it, we've completely ditched that system because it's it's not worked for us. Yeah, That seems to suggest that either the players just aren't comfortable playing three at the back, which is strange given that we played it pretty much exclusively at the back end of last season. They should vaguely know what they're doing. Mm. Or that Hughes just isn't getting through to them. And he's feeling the need to chop and change all the time just to just to kind of provoke some sort of reaction. I think that's a frustration, and Adam talks about this a lot, and I think he's right. You know, it's not... I think we're all aware this isn't just Mark Hughes here. You know, there's more to it than this. But I, I think, you know, him settling into this season as a manager hasn't necessarily helped either, Lucy. He's, he's, he's still struggling to find his best 11 and you know for, as we've spoken mm-hmm. about doesn't seem to have that identity and you, you know I mean I thought it was interesting today that not one of our signings that we made in the summer played one minute of action today I mean you got El Yunisi and Armstrong sat in the stand Vestergaard's on the bench with gun but you know none of them are in the side eight games into the season I mean that says quite a lot yeah and it feels like a lot of the preparation that was put into pre-season and, and the transfer window has essentially been useless because as you said that's twice now we've started with three at the back and ditched it. And it seemed um, from pre-season, given that we played all of about a game and a half with three at the back, it seemed like that that was the plan. I was under the impression that Yannick Vestergaard had been brought in to play that kind of central role in a back three on the basis that he may not be the quickest along the ground, but he's big, he'll get in the way and provide the kind of presence that we didn't have last season and in the same way I thought Elianusi had been brought in to play wide of a a three up front in the same system and it feels a lot like we've kind of just gone back on all of that I can't work out whether it's um you know the club brought in the players and Hughes wasn't necessarily pleased with them but that's not what he said Mm. or whether he's kind of realized that he doesn't want to do it in that way and doesn't really know how to reintegrate the players and I think like you know, Elianusi was meant to be one of the big creative attacking signings of, of the summer, having lost Tadic and Bufal. And it seems bizarre that a lot of this season we've played 4-4-2 or a variation thereof and left him uh, playing on the right, which isn't really his preferred area, playing in a very kind of conservative flat four in midfield. Um, and it doesn't feel like a lot of what we're doing really gets the most out of more than £40 million worth of signings. And so, yeah, it does, as you said earlier, feels very trial and error that the only way he knows how to manage a game in terms of trying to change things is by changing the shape completely. Yeah. So it's all a bit concerning. Just to add to that, other than Danny Ings, you know, we pretty much had... 10 players that were involved in the, the, the battle last season with relegation and mm. the concern that I have now is you're starting to alienate players like Armstrong El Yanisi that have come in with a, a keenness to really try and help turn things around and prove a point and the only way they are going to potentially adapt to life in the Premier League is to play games now yes they've been disappointing to a certain element already but it is still early days and yet you know you've got two of them sat in the stand looking pretty disgruntled already so you're now starting to alienate new players and you you, you know you're then going to sort of struggle to get them to come back in and have that keenness to really prove a point potentially 
Yeah, and that's a, a massive worry is that historically Mark Hughes has had a a certain trend for having his players and the kind of outsiders um perhaps kind of slightly Mourinho esque. And if you if you do that to a team which is low on confidence and you're then unable to kind of refresh things and bring in new blood because you alienated people, um you you're probably in, in for a bit of trouble. And it also seems bizarre because I have to wedge this in, <laughs> that when we need two goals, um, Shane Long comes on, yeah. which I will never understand. But there we go. No, I think the only thing I can remember him doing is trying to lay it off to Lamina or something, and he went straight out for a throw, and I thought that just summed up his season already, really, didn't it? But uh, there we go. Let's, I mean, I guess trying to look for some positive, Steve, albeit that that's now three Premier League games without a goal. Um we created six shots on target. Chelsea had six shots on target. So we did show that when we took the game to them and tried to create chances, I mean, admittedly, a couple of them were sort of 25 yarders, but keeper made a couple of great saves. But that's the one positive that I'm living off at the moment is that we are creating more chances under Mark Hughes than we maybe were under Paul and Pellegrino, but we still look as shaky, if not worse, at the back. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure we're necessarily creating more than we did under Puel because mm-hmm. in that season we created hatfuls of chances in loads of games and just missed them all but yeah certainly positive that that we did create a fair share of chances today and it was just a weird game in that having been outclassed really more or less from start to finish and yet on another day we could have scored five it's just bizarre but goes back to the absolute shambles at the back and again if you're if you're chopping and changing players changing systems the defense is the one that, that always suffers mm-hmm. for it and, and fans i mean certainly myself and uh quite a few speaking about gabbiadini coming back into the side lucy so it was good to see him playing but then as you sort of alluded to there i mean he ends up playing right wing and uh, you know half the first half he was back deeper than cedric trying to clear the ball so again it's just trying to be positive but it's good to see him in the side but then it's the job he's doing and you know the role he's doing is that really effective yeah, that's a big problem for him. And I feel that a lot of the time players are given 90 minutes or a substitute appearance, like as we saw with Armstrong. And if they do badly, they don't seem to get another chance for a long time. And that's kind of my concern with Gambadini, because I didn't think he played that badly for someone who, as you said, was asked to do a range of jobs, none of which I would say were his preferred role. Yeah. I mean, I know he's played wide right at Napoli, but it's a rather different right than it was in that game and spent a lot of time in his own penalty area um and i feel like yeah this is kind of we chop and change we don't give a player um any kind of consistent role or anything to work with and then they get booted down we don't see them for another six weeks which Mm. is kind of what i'm fearing with gabbiadini yeah and i mean the other thing that i thought was interesting steve bearing in mind how standoffish we were for a large part of the game we ended up with six bookings which is typical mark Hughes style compared to Chelsea not having any, which was interesting when uh, Rudiger pretty much took out, uh, I think it was Nathan Redmond right near the end there, but um, it could have been Danny Ings actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, just again, it didn't seem like the sort of game where I think Saints slowly sort of came got more and more frustrated and some of the tackles were questionable. But I mean, to come out of it with six bookings in a game that you've lost 3-0 as well is probably just sort of sums up the frustration that was there second half. Yeah, probably two or three of those bookings in the second half were quite lazy bookings. Mm. Um, they were ones where they, the player knows they they've been done, and rather than sort of try and work back properly, they just pull the guy back or trip him over from from behind, and just take take the booking and and uh, get on with it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Craig Pawson decided that 
um, bookings were only going to be handed out to us. Well, I was I was fully expecting him to go for the token. Oh, I'm going to book the opposition goalkeeper for time wasting in the <laughs> in the in the 93rd minute because it makes all the difference. <laughs> but yeah, he even even kept his cards in in his pocket where they clearly gained some shit with that goal kick passing it and then um, the defender cut stepping into the penalty area mm. to um, to play it before it had left the box just to waste another 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that never, ever gets penalised. No. For, like, you never get booked for that. No. Even though it's it's clearly intentional. Players players don't lose their bearings like that. And it's like, well, if the referee's not going to apply the laws evenly um, to both sides, then well, it's like, well, what's the point? I think the worry with the bookings is that I kind of expect us being managed by Mark Hughes to pick up a fair whack of bookings because he likes players to be kind of combative and, and that sort of thing. But I think the concern is that they weren't bookings that came from being kind of aggressive and proactive and maybe being caught the wrong side of the ball or whatever. As um, Steve just said, they were lazy bookings they weren't bookings that came from kind of playing in the right way and maybe getting it wrong it was all kind of from passive play so you know I'm not generally that worried when you end up with a fair um, handful of bookings but those kinds of bookings weren't really kind of the ones you want to see how do you think Saints go about improving their home form, Lucy? I mean, I, I put a tweet out earlier. And since December the 13th last year, when Leicester beat us 4-1 at St Mary's, as I'm sure everyone will remember, Leicester have won twice at St Mary's, Chelsea have won twice at St Mary's, and Southampton have won one Premier League game since that time at St Mary's, which is uh, quite some stat. But, I mean, just the atmosphere felt so low. I mean, it's, it's you know, just lots of fans seem, you know, seem to have lost that interest and that enthusiasm for Saints now. And, you know, we have to stick with the, the team through good and bad times, of course. But just... I mean, how do Saints sort of get that atmosphere going and improve their home form? Because it looks way off at the moment. I think if I knew the answer to that, I uh, would be a very rich woman. <laughs> um, I don't really know. I thought 4-3-3, actually, for quite a long period. We haven't really ever played with. And actually, I thought looked quite good. And I think would suit quite a lot of our players um, mm. in terms of kind of Romeo playing as that kind of single pivot um and maybe getting Elian Nusi back in the squad to play on, on one of those wide positions. Um but I think a lot of it is is about confidence and, and kind of concentration and mood and stuff. And that transmits to the fans and I think that's why our home form tends to be particularly bad in the sense that I think there's a great kind of pressure and you can feel it when you're at St Mary's this kind of tension where yeah. when we yeah. go through bad periods and it's very difficult to shift that I kind of hoped that the um, survival last season might g everyone up a bit and I think it did for a bit Mm. but I think now we realize that we're in trouble again or or potentially in trouble and I think that's stacked the pressure back up again so I guess it's kind of encouraging people to kind of stick with it Mm. Um, and and I think a lot of it is trying for Hughes to keep positive in games I think a lot of the substitutions recently and the, and the changes to formation have invited pressure when we've been in good positions. I'm thinking particularly that Brighton game yep. where we just seem to make bizarre substitutions, which forced us deeper and deeper and deeper. And so I think about everyone trying to kind of stay upbeat. That's all theoretical and I doubt it's going to happen. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. But yeah, I, I was um, reading a, a tweet earlier that I think said that, you know, that's now since the start of last season, nine games, Premier League games at home that Saints have not scored in and only Huddersfield have got a worse record, which is 12 games at home. So I think it goes back to everything we've spoken about before, Steve, about the, the entertainment thing. I mean, I think many of us, you know, just to sort of finish on this little bit, many of us expected to lose to, to Chelsea. I mean, I think you, you, myself and Adam all predicted that, but I, 
I guess it's just the manner of the defeat, isn't it? Because there's no disgrace sometimes in losing to a team like Chelsea. We just know Saints can and should be offering more. Yeah, I mean, there's another stat going around that it's, what, 29 games or something since we last got a win against one of the top six clubs. Yeah, yeah. Um, 20, 26 games against the top six and 31 against top half in total, yeah, but our last 26 size, so yeah, pretty uh, pretty bad. Yeah, it's just, if you're not going to compete in, I mean, yes, those top six are far and away sort of better than us, more resources. In every sense, they are bigger and better than us, but... Football is a game played over 90 minutes between 11 people on each side. And on any given day, anybody can beat anybody. And yet we don't really look remotely like doing so. I mean, it goes back to what we said, doesn't it? You have to get in their face. You have to pressure them. If you let teams play like Chelsea, they will just carve you apart. Yeah. And it was interesting. I thought that the catalyst to us kind of having that five or ten minute spell in the first half where we looked like we were going to get in their face, um, it didn't actually come from us taking the initiative on it it actually came from Chelsea being really really complacent mm. and effectively handing us chances and basically giving the ball back to us 25 to 30 yards from their goal and we weren't able to take advantage of it but it gave us a little bit of belief and then all of a sudden there was a little bit of drive from a few players um, Bertrand decided that he um, fancied running at some point this afternoon and made that overlapping run that where Redmond found him and he he put the cross over and obviously Ings, God knows how he's missed it. But mm. I mean, that cross was genuinely a world-class cross. Yep. And we know that Bertrand's got that in his locker. And you just kind of think like some of these players, why can't you do this more often? I know. And just even be more consistent within the confines of a, of a single 90 minutes would be nice. It's just infuriating. Moving forward then now, sort of an international break. We we spoke last week, Lucy, I don't know what your view is on it, whether it's come at a good time or a bad time for Saints. And just, just sort of following on to that, a second question. I mean, the five games after the international break for Saints, if we take the cup game out, because I guess we want to focus on the league, but you've got Bournemouth away, Newcastle at home, City away, Watford at home, Fulham away. So other than City, four games there that if Saints are up for it, there's points there to be won. And, and you know, they need to get something on the board sooner rather than later. Yeah, and at this point you're looking at that Newcastle game and thinking it's huge Mm. um, just based on how they got turned over last night and there's a lot of pressure in that club about the ownership and the manager and all that sort of thing and it's when our home form really needs to turn around because otherwise it gets grim very quickly. But um, Fulham are quite leaky. Um, I think they've conceded at least two goals in all but one game. That's kind of positive. But yeah, no, you would hope that there are points on the board. And if there aren't, it looks like last season again. <laughs> Just a, a quick word on the Bournemouth game then, Steve. Um, they look in good form at the moment. Good manager, well-drilled side, putting 100%, you know, cracking win at Watford that they'll uh, probably feel that the international breaks come at an inconvenient time for them. But always a side that are up for, for playing Saints down at Dean Court or Vitality Stadium or whatever it's called these days. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a funny side, aren't they, Bournemouth? I mean, you list their players 1 to 11, and I mean, particularly defensively, you think, well, why are they good? How is this group of players good? Um, Eddie Howe obviously deserves bulk of the credit for that, but their game against Watford yesterday seemed to be very strange in that, uh, I mean, obviously Watford had early red cards. I mean, Bournemouth are a side where they're a sort of big momentum team. If they've got, if they've got momentum shift in that game, then they can just tear teams to pieces every now and then yeah i do wonder whether i think people are getting a little bit ahead of themselves with that result yesterday because i think that watford 
are basically doing what Watford do. They they always start the season like an express train, and then as soon as they lose one or two, they fold like a pack of cards. Mm. And I just think that was Watford reverting to the mean. Bournemouth took advantage. I don't think a four nil away win is necessarily anything for us to be particularly terrified of. I mean, ultimately, the things for us to be terrified of are our own defensive um, deficiencies anyway. Yeah. Bournemouth scoring against Watford's back four isn't going to change that from our perspective, I don't think. Fine. Just your view on the Bournemouth game as well, then, Lucy, after the international break? I'm slightly worried. King and Wilson seem to be in great form. Um, they have a quite a lot of what we don't have, which is a clear a playing philosophy, um, attacking football and a fair bit of pace also. Um, so that's worrying. Vitality Stadium is kind of essentially a pretty difficult place to go to. Um, I think what was also more bizarre about that result the other day was the fact that they went away from home on 1-4-0 because they are typically much better at home than they are away. But no, I'm not feeling particularly good about it. I would be surprised if our defence came out the right end. But as um, Steve said about Bournemouth, if you catch them on a bad day or in a bad moment in the game, they are prone to a collapse. So, you know, there's always a glimmer of hope that we have one of our good periods and actually put the ball in there um, and then it might be a different story but I'm I'm not feeling too positive no. well we'll keep our fingers crossed Steve the, the wounds are far too uh, fresh to uh, get your prediction for that game so I'll pick up with you and Adam when uh, he's back but uh, there we go um, yeah at least uh, a couple of weeks now to uh, not have to worry about uh, Saints and head into the international break yeah, looking forward to that. England's game in Croatia behind closed doors is going to be an interesting experience for people. I think that's going to be a, it's going to be fun, fun and games for the people watching. I suspect there will be some England fans in the ground, by the way. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Good. And then you're off to Sevilla after that. Yes, I'm not actually going to Croatia because I just thought the whole behind closed doors thing is like it's not worth the hassle. But yeah, off to Sevilla on the Sunday. The game's on the Monday, I think, um, and that will be direct. Having gone to Dublin previously for the Scottish Challenge Cup taking place between an Irish team and an English non-league side so that's um, obvious logic there isn't it exactly very glamorous so well cool well, safe travels and uh, Lucy thanks as always for joining us appreciate it very much yep this has been great thanks Podcast. Saints podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Thanks to Steve and Lucy for joining us this week. Very much appreciated. It's been one of those weekends for Saints. Virgil van Dijk giving away a penalty that was then missed. Dusan Tadic continuing to score goals and provide assists. Sofian Buffel scoring a worldie for Celta Vigo. And even Guida Carrillo getting on the score sheet for Leganes. But there we go. We'll be back after the international break. Thanks for joining us. Keep marching in. And at least we've got a couple of weeks off.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.